Hey there. Thanks for joining me for Bird Brain Ramblings, a conversational podcast dedicated to admiration and conservation of birds worldwide. I'm John Hardy, and thanks for tuning in. A quick note for all of you bird nerds, while I try to avoid sensitive and controversial content, please know that when something does come up, I'm sharing and discussing my own opinion and have no intent of offending anyone. Keep an open mind and be open to agreeing to disagree. Hey everyone, welcome back. Um, Thanks for tuning in today. Um, We've got a really cool podcast coming uh, today. It's kind of crazy. It's only been like three days since I recorded my last podcast. But um, so much has happened in like three days. So um, we're going to go ahead and record this and it's going to be released um, in a couple days. Um, So that'll give me some more time to come up with some great stories for the next one. Um, But um, thanks for tuning in. Like I said, it's really great to um, have you guys listening in and everything. Um, So today um, we've had some really good productive birding the past few days here in Georgia. Um... My friend and I, as you heard in the last episode, got to go on um, his first birding trip, which was really cool, and we got to see some good birds, um, which led me to the discovery of a few, you know, species that I don't have on my gear list that had been reported in the area as well, so we'll get into that in just a minute. But to start out, I wanted to start with some birding news, like normal. Um, Let's see, so... Coming up in 2022 in February is the Space Coast Birding uh, Birding and Wildlife Festival. Um, It's at Cape Canaveral, Florida. It's February 2nd through the 6th, um, and it's a really great time to go bird in Georgia. Um, You got a lot of, you know, coastal shorebirds that are in the area. And of course, you know, Florida's just great for birding to begin with. Um, and Cape Canaveral has a lot of hot spots in the area, so it's well worth um, the travel and um, any expense that would go into it. I would love to go to the Space Coast Birding Festival, but um, unfortunately that falls in my big year. And so because I'm doing a big year, it doesn't make sense for me to spend the money and use the time to go out of state to bird when I need to be at home birding. I need to be in Georgia birding. So I'll be planning on staying home this uh, this coming year, but um, the year after that is gonna be my festival year where I get to go and um, maybe go to that one and the Rio Grande Festival and the biggest week in birding. Um, I'd love to go up there to the McGee Marsh and places like that. Um, so we'll see what happens uh, after that. But Space Coast Birding Festival is coming up, so if you're interested, definitely get signed up for that. It's never a disappointment from what I hear, so it's definitely worth it. Um, I wanted to point out another article that I saw in Birding Magazine. I know the last episode uh, we talked about the least birded counties, um, and that was one of the articles that was in the Birding Magazine. But also in the same issue of Birding Magazine, um, the October 21 magazine, um, there's an article about a very unique big year. Um, a man named J.P. Moss decided that 2021, he was going to do a big year by unicycle. Um, and of course, green birding has become a big thing um, recently. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for, big, you know, green birding and things. 
Um, so this is a really cool way to do a big year, in my opinion. You know, you're not you're not driving everywhere. You're not flying everywhere. You're doing something that is healthy for the environment, and you're still, you know, getting to do your big year, which is really cool. Um, it from what I read in the article, and I just kind of skimmed the article, so correct me if I'm wrong, but it looks like JP had to back out of his big year before the end of the year. Um, which kind of stinks, but you know, he, he had the opportunity to do something awesome and, um, he's an inspiration to the rest of us who want to do a different big year. Um, you know, of course doing a Georgia state big year is not that crazy or anything like that, but, um, the idea of a modified big year is coming around to more people. Um, you know, for me personally, I can't afford the expense. I can't take a whole year off to do a full regular big year. So that's where the idea for the Georgia big year came in. And so um, everybody's got their reasons that they decide to do different types of big years. They've all got something behind their decision-making process. And um, I'd kind of like to get in JP's head and just be like, what on earth thought made you think that a unicycle big year would be a cool idea? But everybody's got their thing. So um JP, if you ever hear this, you know, congratulations, man. You you did something super unique that people won't forget about for a while. So that was really neat. Um, we're going to go ahead and just, I mean, part of Birding News is the rarities, of course. And as you know, um, as I've mentioned in several episodes, I'm focusing on Georgia rarities for right now because of my Georgia big year. Um, obviously, this is not a Georgia-centered podcast. It's just going to have a lot of Georgia in it because of what I'm doing with birds right now. So, um, we had a really cool, very exciting first state record of a rock wren reported at the Unicoi State Park Dam on October 23rd. Um, that is so neat. And there was a pictures and all these people saw it. It was, it was really cool. Um, I would have loved to have gone and chased it, but I didn't have a way to do that due to my crazy work schedule and things. Um, and the fact that Unicoi is about a two, two and a half hour drive from where I'm at. Uh, plus you have to drive through the city of Helen and right now they've got Oktoberfest going on and traffic is a nightmare. So, um, I just knew that I wasn't gonna be able to go chase it and I was hoping that it would stay around till I could go chase it. Um, but it looks like it has left either that or no one has reported anything today. Um, as a matter of fact, the dates on all of these reports have been the 23rd. Even if they were reported after that, the date was the 23rd on the checklist. So, um, kind of disappointed in that, but it's really cool to, you know, see that. That's a new state bird that we can add to the state checklist, um, which is really neat. So, um, definitely exciting, uh, definitely interesting, and I'm kind of wishing that I'd had the chance, but you know, later on in life, maybe. We'll see. <laughs> um, so this week, uh, we're talking about some lucky birding, um, which we've had a lot of recently, and then the creation of a hot spot, um, which these two things go hand in hand, given what's happened recently. But um, I, I wanted to preface this by saying, it seems like fall migration has really just picked up in Georgia. Um, I know that that's not true, and maybe it's just where I've been birding, or, I mean, I don't know, but it seems like fall migration has just now started to pick up in the state of Georgia. Um, because we're so far south, obviously the, the hit 
of migration does come a little bit later than the rest of the United States, but I just feel like it's a little late, you know, um, for us to be seeing all this stuff. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just, that's just my lack of experience. I'm not a professional. I'll be the first to tell you that. But um, it really does seem that way, that migration is really starting to kick into high gear here. So um, diving into lucky birding, um, recently I've had some great time birding. Um, I've really got to do a lot of cool birding and um, I've had a checklist every day for several days, like my longest streak or something. I don't even know what my streak is right now, but, um, there's been, you know, I've had some great streaks and everything. Um, my days of, <laughs> my day of checklist streak is three days right now. And I think that's a big deal. But <laughs> if you knew me, then you'd understand that that's true. Um, I've got to be better about that going into my big year, but, um, Starting on October 21st, um, that's when I took my friend Tyler out birding for the first time. Um, and he got to see some really cool birds. We got to see the common loon that had been reported at West Point Lake Dam um, for a while. Um, West Point Lake, I don't think I, I might have discussed this in the previous episode, but it's on the border of uh, Georgia and Alabama. And so actually you have to be standing on the right side of the lake and see the bird at the right part of the lake to be able to count it as a Georgia bird, which is interesting. Um, but, you know, um, it's a great birding hotspot. It's not far from our family farm. Um, so it's fairly easy to access and things like that. So I, I definitely visit often. Um, the common loon isn't terribly random and it can be seen fairly frequently during the winter in Georgia, but it still wasn't an expected species when we saw it on the 21st. You know, um, yes, it had been reported several times, but it, it was just a little early for us to be seeing that bird, um, especially at West Point. You know, we weren't on the coast. We're, here we are hours from the coast, and we still have a common loon already. So that was really neat to be able to see that. Um, then, while birding... Um, well, let's, let's step back here. Um, I took the 22nd off, um, of birding and just kind of, I had to basically work through my lunch break at work and I mostly bird on my lunch breaks when I'm at work. Um, but then on the 23rd, which was Saturday, um, I took my lunch break and I went down to a park that's just down the street from work called Alexander Park. Um, it's right off the McDonough Square, and there's actually two sides of it, if you're familiar with the McDonough area. Um, there's Alexander Park East, which is the one that has the ball fields, and it's been around for decades. And then there's Alexander Park West, which is a new one that they built on the other side of the square. Um, it's all the same piece of property, but there's a railroad that goes straight through the middle of the park. And so, due to safety concerns, they can't connect the two sides of the park. So, you have Alexander Park East and Alexander Park West. And so, Alexander Park West is the one that's easiest to get to, um, just because of the way traffic is around the square for me. So, I go on my lunch break. And on the 23rd, um, I was birding, and there wasn't a lot out. I was starting to get a little bit disappointed um, in my numbers and everything. And as I was walking back to my car... I saw a bird fly into the tree right next to me. I mean, it less than 10 feet away. And I looked up and it looked like a wood thrush, but it wasn't 
brown enough to be a wood thrush. And I started looking at it. It wasn't, it, there was just something off about it and I didn't quite understand it. So I got my binoculars, I'm looking at it. Even though I'm not that far away, I mean, I pulled out my binoculars. Let me get really close looks at this. Um, this bird was the most cooperative bird. It stayed around for about 10 minutes. Um, and I was able to watch it. But it was definitely a thrush. Um, that was obvious. Um, but then after studying the bird, based on its grayish looking face, um, and its bill was partly yellow and partly black. Um, and as I went through, um, my Merlin app while I was standing there, I was, I was kind of like watching the bird with, for one second that I'd held my phone up and looked through Merlin. And the only thrush on the East coast in our area that would have that partly yellow bill was a great cheek thrush. And the fact that it had the very gray face, I was like, that's exactly what it is. Um, so I was thrilled because not only was this a first record for that park, but it was also a lifer for me. Um, keep in mind, you know, I haven't been serious birding for a long time. So, uh, but that was a lifer for me. So I was really excited about it. Um, then after work on the 23rd, um, my sister and I got in the car and we had to drive to our family farm uh, to celebrate my grandfather's birthday. And so um, we drove down, we got there, the sun was already starting to go down and everything. I was like, well, I, I could go, I could go owl watching. I could go see what I could see, but I just wasn't feeling it. So I just went to bed a little bit earlier than normal and moved on. So on Sunday morning, when I woke up the 24th, I woke up super early and I was like, I'm going to make sure that I'm outside. I'm at the farm. It looks like we're having some good migration right now, so I want to be sure that I'm out watching the birds. And I got up. I was out there when the sign came out. I had a barred owl talking to me off in the distance and um, some other stuff. But I birded for about an hour. Um, that's all of the time I really had uh, before breakfast. And when we're at the farm, we always try to do family breakfast. Um, everybody's together. So... Um, I had to be back for it. So I got to bird for about an hour before breakfast was ready, and I really didn't get much. Um, it was fairly disappointing. Um, the The one thing that was interesting, um, we had the first record of a Savannah Sparrow um, at our farm, uh, to anyone's knowledge. We don't, I mean, obviously, you know, at a farm with uh, with fields and things like that, you would have expected to see savannah sparrows all the time um due to the fact that i didn't get heavily into birding until recently it could be that they were just um misidentified for a while um or it could just be that we haven't been paying attention and seen them and they've been there we just haven't seen them so but i did get to see a savannah sparrow first record at our farm um and if you keep up with a yard total um or a yard list you know that's cool so like at, at my house um in rex um, we have, I have a yard list going there. And then when we're at the farm, I have the farm list. And so anything that's seen on our farm property, um, I keep a list of that as well. I didn't think of myself as a severe lister until I started thinking about all the lists that I make. And then I thought, you know what? I am a lister. But anyway, um, later on that day though, after breakfast and everything, um, my cousin, sister, and I, we had to drive into town and make a stop at Dollar General. Um, welcome to small town living. 
Uh, you don't drive to the Walmart or the Publix or the Kroger. You go to the Dollar General because it's the only thing in town. And so we drove into Dollar General and had to pick up a few things. So um, when we got in the car to come back home, um, sorry guys, I just got like super distracted. So y'all excuse my ADD craziness. Um, <laughs> we got in the car and we started driving back. And when I, when I drove back, I went through some small beaten up farm roads to get back to our property instead of driving the highway like I usually do. And as I'm driving past this old dairy, uh, I look up at the power line and um, I make it a habit to watch the power lines when I'm driving these farm roads because there's always something cool up there. That's where I see the meadowlarks. Um, that's where I see um, my dick sizzles. Um, it's, I mean, I see a lot of those um, species. I saw an American kestrel um, there before. And so I'm driving down these farm roads and I came up and I saw this bird and I stopped. It, it was about the size of a kestrel, but it did not look like a kestrel. It was very different from a kestrel. And immediately the only thing that popped in my head was a Merlin. So I've got my binoculars. My sister's like, why are we stopped in the middle of the road? And I'm like, just shut up and let me bird. Um, and so I've, I've got my binoculars and man, I am watching um, this bird at pretty close range. And it was very clear that this was a Merlin. Um, I mean, it was just so obvious. So very different from a Kestrel. And so that was my first Merlin of the year. Um, it was considered a state rarity for this time of year. It's a little bit early to be seeing Merlins in the area, um, which I, I have to agree with, but, um, you know, it was, it was really cool to see that. Well, then we drive down the road a little bit further and turn onto the road that our farm is on. And I look up on the power line and there is a second Merlin there. And the reason I know it's a second is when the Merlin that we saw first took off and flew, it flew the opposite direction of our farm. And I watched it fly off for a good few minutes. Never did it turn around. And so I came around this corner to our farm and there is another Merlin sitting on the power lines um, on that road. It was aggravating. It was so close to the farm, but it was not on the farm property, so I couldn't add it to the farm list. But really neat addition to my year list. Um, really cool bird to see. It's not something that is, you know, crazy common in Georgia, as a matter of fact. So it's pretty neat to see that one. Um, it finally flew, you know, and we drove on to the house, only to realize that we had forgotten several things that were on our list to get back in the car and drive all the way back to Dollar General to finish shopping. Um, this is what bird-brained people do. We just forget stuff because we're always thinking about birds. So, welcome to my life. Um, <laughs> but um, we hung out at the farm for the day and got to spend some time with our family. Um, I always find a way to go birding, even when we're doing something with the family, but I don't want the birding to get in the way of the family. And so it was kind of hard because I sat there wanting to go birding the entire day uh, because I'm thinking, oh man, migration's going right now, apparently. And I just, I really want to be out there birding, but I knew that I needed to be with the family. And so, and it was good because I got to spend time with 
my family and just got to be with one another. Um, so that was a really good time. Um, I got to talk about my birds with my granddad, who um, was also a birder and, you know, still is very interested in birds. It's just his age keeps him back. Um, so it was good getting to talk with him about birds, too. And I just got to share my joy for birding with him. Um, and he was interested, too. And most people aren't interested when I ramble about birds. So um, that was really cool. <laughs> Um, that evening though, I packed up my stuff and, um, we celebrated my granddad's birthday. We packed up and we were all getting ready to head our separate ways. And I, uh, my sister decided to ride home with my mom and I was like, you know what? Um, I'll be home later. And I took about a half hour detour on my way home to go back to the West Point Lake Dam. On the 21st, when Tyler and I were there birding, um, we didn't see anything too crazy, but then I got home that evening and saw that there was some northern pintails and some northern shovelers had been reported, and I was really kind of aggravated because we didn't see them. So they had continued to be reported, and so I made the decision that I was going to drive over there and try to see these birds. So um, I did in fact see, um, I saw two shovelers, I saw two pintails, um, which was really neat. The pintails were a lifer for me. Um, I had seen shovelers several years back before birding was really a passion for me. Um, I had gone to a very popular hot spot here locally um, that's owned by the Clayton County Water Authority, and I had seen some there. So they weren't a life bird, but they were a year bird for me. And then the pintails were lifers. So it was really cool getting to see them, um, as well as a total of I estimated it on my eBird checklist, but um, I believe I saw 57 um, double-crested cormorants, which was, you know, huge. There's a ton of cormorants out there at the lake, especially right there at the dam. So um, good to see them. We also saw a herring gull. Um, there was two of them. Um, I say we saw it as if there was more than one of me. Um, it was just me. But I saw um, two herring gulls as well. It was just really, it was cool. Um, it was kind of, it wasn't rainy, but it seemed like it should have been raining and it was just kind of dull, but it was, it was a good day for birding and a good time for birding. So uh, I did get to see those pintails and shovelers, which is awesome. Um, now to finish off the streak of great birding, um, I'm going to cut it off with today's birding. Um, and there may be more that I get to report the next time that we have a podcast, but I was like, I have to share this excitement. So I went to the park again on my lunch break, um, on today, the 25th. And on this trip alone, I saw three new year birds and added four new species to the park's list. And, um, the three new year birds were an American kestrel a blue-headed vireo, and a winter wren. Um, I don't know why, but it just seems like timing is off for all the birds this year. Um, it seems like it's just a weird year for birding because the timing seems off to me. Um, on the Georgia Birders Online listserv that I'm a part of, someone had posted that they were noticing that the chickadees in our area are very heavily colored this year. They're 
um, much more bold coloring than they usually are. And that's something else that I've noticed. And so it seems weird that, you know, we have Merlin's an hour and a half south of where I work, but we still have American Kestrels where I work. And it seems weird that I have a winter wren at the park, but I've also got a blue-headed vireo, which is a summer bird that's still at the park. Um, it was it was really interesting, you know, um, none of them were marked as rare, but I don't know, it just kind of confused me. It, I, I'm really interested as to what's going on with timing, um, or maybe if this is normal. So if you're a Georgia birder and you're like, dude, it's the middle of, I mean, it's getting close to the late of October and that's normal, let me know. Uh, so I don't sound like an idiot. <laughs> but um, anyway... Um, after today's birding, um, it tops my 2021 year list off at 219 species. Um, keep in mind that I didn't start keeping good records of my year birds until mid-April. Um, before that, I really hadn't been paying attention to it, so I missed a lot of the winter birds that were here. Um, I picked up in the height of migration, but those early migrations I missed. Um, and then over the summer, um, due to about a thousand different situations, um, I found myself not birding much over the summer as well. So to be where I'm at so far this year, given everything, given all the circumstances, um, 219 species is great for me. I'm cool with that. So, um... That's my streak of birding up until today, um, and I'm excited to see what happens in the next few, you know, days or even weeks. Um, I plan on continuing to bird um, every day, rain or shine, um, and I really get to put that to the test on Thursday because it's supposed to rain. So yay! Um, and Georgia weather is always crazy. I, I we always make fun of Georgia weather here. Um, we say that Georgia weather is bipolar. And it truly feels like that some days. Um, because, like, today, for instance, the high hit 83. But we've been cool for weeks. And so we turned off our air conditioning at the house, got home, and it was hot. But then it's supposed to be in the 50s and raining again on Thursday. So there's no telling. The birds are probably just as confused as we are. It's okay. Um, it's one of those things, you, when you wake up in the morning, you put on a sweater and long pants... Um, by the time you get to lunch, you're ready to change into your tank top and throw on some sunscreen. But by the time you get past dinner, it's time to put the sweatpants on. It's just welcome to Georgia. Um, but I'm interested to see what happens in the next few weeks. Um, see what comes across. Um, I've got a couple things in the works, which I'll mention at the end of the episode. Um, but I've really got some stuff coming my way and I'm excited for it. Um, as well as planning for a big year. So it's coming along great. Um, transitioning a little bit here one of the things that I've talked about a lot is this park that I bird at on my lunch breaks and it's called Alexander Park in McDonough um, I go on just about every lunch break it's just down the road from work I mean literally less than five minutes from my office and um, I've been keeping track of how many species I see at this park um, at this particular location because Alexander Park is not an eBird hotspot, um, despite the fact that, honestly, I don't understand why it's not. Uh, maybe it's just that no one's put any attention towards it. Um, I, I don't know. But in the past couple weeks, I think it's been 
two and a half, three weeks that I've been birding um, consistently at the park. Um, just in that time frame, I've seen 39 species of birds just at this park. Um, this is pretty impressive given the fact that I only go birding on my lunch break there and I only get to bird for about 45 minutes before I have to get back in the car and drive back to my office because uh, I get an hour for lunch. And um, so, I mean, that's, that's pretty impressive in my opinion. You know, I'm not seeing any of the night birds. I'm, I, I mean, I look for owls while I'm out there, but you know, I don't see them. I don't hear them usually. Um, I'm waiting to hear a barred owl out there, but I haven't yet. And so um, after today, when I racked up four more species, which brought me to the total of 39, um, I made the decision that I was going to submit a request on eBird to have this location listed as a hotspot. Um, now, there's two sides of the park, like I mentioned earlier. There's Alexander Park East and Alexander Park West. I am birding at Alexander Park West. That's the one that's close to the office. Alexander Park East, you have to add just about another 10 minutes just to get to it. Because of the way the roads go and the way traffic is in, in McDonough, it's just awful trying to get over there. So, I'm talking about Alexander Park West, but in my opinion, in the span of three weeks, birding at the same time every day for only 45 minutes, having 39 species at this point proves to me that this very well could be a hotspot. And given the fact that McDonough is pretty built up around the square, um, this is right off the square this park is, and all around it is fairly... Um, industrialized. Um, there's a lot of business. There's a lot of housing. And so it just seems to me like during migration season, especially, this is going to be a stopping point for a lot of birds um, while they're migrating. And it's a great location. Um, there isn't a body of water, which kind of stinks because you're going to miss out on all the water birds for the most part, but it's a great forested area. Um, it's just a really good habitat. You've got some hardwood forest. You've got some um, pine forest at the very front. You've got some cleared out field area, which is where I saw or where I expect to see some sparrows, especially like savanna sparrows who love that field kind of feel. Um, lots of woodpeckers. Oh, well, we've got some yellow-bellied sapsuckers there. So I'm really hoping that it gets approved. Um, so far, no news is good news. Um, the request was sent to a local eBird reviewer, and I'm now waiting on a decision. Um, but we need a good birding hotspot in the downtown McDonough area. Um, there are some hotspots in Henry County. None of them are fairly, are terribly impressive. Um, we just don't have very many good hotspots listed in Henry County, and I think it's because we don't have very many birders in Henry County. If you remember... Um, from my last episode, I had mentioned how the difference between the birding numbers in Clayton County, where I live, and the neighboring county, Henry County, where I work. Well, McDonough falls into Henry County. And just to, you know, refresh your mind on those numbers, Clayton County has a total of 21,449 checklists, where Henry County only has just above 5,000. Um, so you're looking at like a fourth of the checklists 
in Henry County that you have in Clayton County. But Henry County is twice the size as Clayton County. And so I think it's just we don't have enough birders. My hope is that having this hot spot right outside the downtown McDonough Square is going to open up the opportunity to attract birders. Um, you know, like, hey, there's this new hot spot. It's doing fairly well. Um, let's go see it. Or like if it was listed as a hot spot, it probably would have gotten a little more attention when I saw the gray cheeked thrush. Um, you know, people would be like, let's run over to Alexander Park and go see if we can see this thing. Um, and it's right off the square. It's right in the middle of a lot of business. You've got some great restaurants, some small town family owned businesses in the area. So it would bring some attention to the McDonough area that I think we need. Um, so my, that's my hope, you know, um, I always, I seem to talk about Hannah and Eric a lot, Hannah and Eric go birding the podcast. And, um, one of the things that Hannah and Eric talk about a lot is how, um, birders are not represented well, um, by the government for the money that we spend. Um, if you're hunting and you go buy your camo and your guns and whatever, that money can be listed. I mean, if you go and buy that stuff, odds are you're going hunting. No one's going to buy that to go, I don't know, whatever. And so if you buy that stuff, the government can say, okay, well, this much money is being spent on hunting. Let's put some of the government funds into these hunting preserves. That's fine. But birders, you can't really do that. You know, you buy a pair of binoculars, you could be doing a thousand things with that. Um, you know, you could be you could be using that for for um hunting. You could be using that for stargazing. You can be using that for opera glasses. I don't know. I mean, so that's not exactly a cut and paste thing. You can't do that with scopes. Scopes are used for a bunch of stuff too. The photography equipment used for a bunch of other stuff too. Um the money that you're putting into gas and food and lodging when you travel, um, you can't just, the government can't look at that and be like, oh, well, they're birders. Let's put that in the birder thing or whatever. So it's important to try to bring attention to, hey, birders are bringing money into the area. Birders are bringing revenue and attention and business. And like, let's, let's get some attention towards these birders. So my hope is that this becomes a hot spot and it becomes a great hot spot and we continue growing the list. Um, like I said, we're at 39 species right now, but that's going to grow. And um, so I'm kind of hoping that that happens. We'll see what happens soon. But um, really looking forward to seeing that and watching Henry County birding grow. Um, I've got a friend at work that is interested in... Um, she's always talking to me about my birding and stuff. Um, Aisha, if you're listening, shout out to you. You're awesome. And, um, I don't know if she's just being nice to me because I sit next to her all day or what, but I'm just kidding. But, um, <laughs> so, I mean, my hope is that, you know, my enthusiasm for birding and my excitement over birding and those sorts of things will start to rub off on the people around me and they'll want to try it too. Even if they're not crazy like me, they'll want to try birding um, and things like that. So we'll see what happens. Um, looking into the future, 
Um, I mentioned earlier that there's some stuff coming up that I've got planned out and I'm excited for. Um, the first of those things is um, in the next two or three weeks, I can't figure it out. It's going to depend upon the work schedule and all that. But either two weeks from now or three weeks from now, I will be going on a birding trip to the E.L. Huey retention ponds that are owned by Clayton County Water Authority. And E.L. Huey is one of the best birding hotspots in the area. I mean, um, I was going to try to look it up while I was talking here. Um, I know that they've got a ton of bird species that have been seen there. And the checklists that have been reported recently are insane. Um, yeah, so they've got 258 species that have been seen there. Um, out of 300 and, uh, I'm sorry, 3,200 checklists. And a lot of the birds that are on the recent checklists are actually going to be lifers for me. And I would not be afraid to bet that 90% of these birds that they are reporting are going to be year birds for me. Um, these, we're talking, these checklists are running 58, 54, 48 species per checklist. I mean, that is, that's awesome. That is insane. And it's awesome. So I'm really looking forward to this and I can't wait to share about that adventure with you guys. Um, if you're listening to this and you'd like to go birding that day, um, you do have to have a permit to get into the EL Huey ponds, but I am allowed to bring guests with me as long as you are in my vehicle and stay with me. Um, because I have a permit and I can get in. So if you're interested in birding um, and you're and you know me or anything like that, you know, send me a quick text or let me know when you see me next, whatever. Um, we'll figure out a way to meet up somewhere that morning and then we can all ride over to the ponds um, together. Um, the Silver Bullet has enough seating for six. So um, the benefits of having an SUV that's good on gas. But um, thank you, Ford, for making the Ford Flex. You are amazing people. Anyway. Um, so if you'd like to do that, you know, definitely shoot me a message and let's, let's get that worked out. Let's meet up and let's go birding together. Um, hashtag let's go birding. Um, <laughs> so that's the most, that's the, the soonest thing that I'll be doing. Um, I am also signed up for several Christmas bird counts and I am so excited for this. This will be the first time that I participate in an official Christmas bird count and I am so far signed up for three. Um, and I already got the dates confused, so y'all, y'all bear with me here. Um, but I know one of them is December 19th. I believe that's the one in Peachtree City, Fayette County. Um, and so I have signed up to volunteer with that one. I've got to go start birding the area now so that I get used to it and I know what I'm doing. But, um, there's that one. Um... I can't remember which one, uh, January 1st, that is going to be the coast, the coastal, I think it's Glen County is, um, the name of the count, but it's on the coast and I have volunteered to be on that one as well, um, which is going to be really exciting. The coast on, in Georgia, um, in winter is a really cool place. It's got lots of birds, lots of shorebirds, ducks, um, other water birds, you know, and so I'm really excited for that. And then January 2nd 
is the Pine Mountain um, Christmas bird count. And Pine Mountain is the town that our farm is in. And crazy story, um, our farm property actually falls into the circle for the Pine Mountain bird count. And so my hope is that me and maybe one or two other people can be assigned to our farm property. And we bird our farm property as our portion of the circle. Um, that would be really cool. And I can't wait for those. Um, December, the one at Peachtree City isn't going to count for my big year, which kind of stinks. But that's going to be the one I use to warm up. Um, I mean, I'm going to be warmed up before that. But, you know, just getting me excited for my upcoming big year and those sorts of things. Um, but January 1st and January 2nd, um, those are both going to be my first birding days of my big year. And I'm going to be doing two Christmas bird counts. I mean, it, that is just what a way to start a big year. Started off with a bang. And so, um, I'm really looking forward to this. Um, it's really exciting to start seeing everything come together for my big year, um, I've already started putting some stuff together in my mind for what I'm looking at for my big year. Um, I've joined some great birding groups. Um, Coastal Georgia Audubon is one of them. We've also got, like I said, the Georgia Online Birders uh, Listserv that is pumping out some great information. I've already made some awesome contacts, um, one of which did a Georgia big year back in 2018. And so he was like, dude, if you ever, you know, if you want to pick my brain, let me know. And so... Um, I'm really, really excited for this, and I cannot wait to share all these stories with all of you. Um, hopefully by then I'll have more than six listeners, but, um, we'll see what happens. <laughs> so, um, until then, um, I wish you the very best with your burning adventures, and I hope that you will, um... Just keep watching them. Keep watching the birds. Whether that's, you know, you fill a feeder and you sit at your window or you get out there and you do all the crazy hiking and stuff that the rest of us do. It's whatever you do, birds bring joy. And once you find that, man, there's nothing better to do with your time. Um, I, I truly enjoy birding. It is a way for me to connect to nature. Um, I, I don't know if you maybe have a faith that you cling to. I am a professing Christian. And so I find myself in nature um, and just being able to connect with my creator and worship. Um, it's also a way to disconnect from the world. And when I'm birding, I forget that there's a world out there. I mean, it's me and the birds and that's all that matters in that moment. And so um, my encouragement to you is that you would continue birding. I hope you have some great birding. And um, can't wait to see you again the next time you tune in. So until then, happy birding, and we'll see you next time.